Hello, brother. I'm Grace. Hello, brother. I'm Stephanie. And this is Doppelgangers. Today, we're talking about season three, episode 16 of The Vampire Diaries, which is called 1912. I had a lot of fun with this one. I'm glad we did spend a lot of time in 1912 this episode. It's a new flashback, so a little bit new fashion, some hits, some misses in the fashion department. I'm speaking, of course, about the bowler hat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just a little different than 1920s yeah. little less sexy <laughs> yeah, a little bit more depressing <laughs> and a lot of true crime element a lot of solving a murder or not solving a murder mostly yeah mostly <laughs> mostly not solving a lot of really uh bottom of the barrel police work coming from liz forbes this week <laughs> <laughs> to be fair i don't think her department helps her but she is getting nowhere on this investigation <laughs> A cab does include Liz Forbes. I hate to say it. It very much does. And not just because she killed a teenager that one time. Also because she's just bad at her job. As always, I'm going to start by reading the synopsis from Vampire Diaries Wiki. The present day murders in Mystic Falls remind Damon of a similar crime spree a century earlier. Why he's bringing this up now and not two weeks ago? Unclear. Maybe he forgot. (laughs) In flashbacks to 1912, Damon recalls a beautiful vampire. Uh, Sage. Yeah. <laughs> oh, let's say a vampire. <laughs> Sorry, that's mean. Sorry, Sage. I was expecting another Nina Dobrev is the thing. Fair enough. <laughs> Who showed him a whole new way to exist. Sheriff Forbes warns Damon not to get involved in her investigation, but Damon is convinced she's going after the wrong suspect. Elena and Matt resort to breaking and entering in their search for evidence to prove Dr. Fell is a murderer. For reasons known only to her, Rebecca becomes interested in locating one of the town's oldest landmarks. Finally, Elena comes to a new understanding of the path her life has taken, and Damon makes an emotional confession to Stefan. We have a lot going on in this episode. A lot of emotional awakenings this episode in 1912 and in the present day. And, you know, I hate to say it. It's unfortunate to say it. But Matt Donovan, again, kinging this episode. (laughs) Let me tell you, you can tell it in this season. And I said I wasn't going to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you this because it didn't actually happen. Did they want Elena and Matt to end up together? Yes. They wanted the end of the series to be like Stefan and Damon both dead watching Elena from the other side as she's married to Matt Donovan. Because they're really pushing Elena and Matt. Yes, you can feel it in this season in general. They've been doing a lot more Elena-Matt scenes. And this episode in particular, it's like, oh my God. I was sensing it. I was like, are they trying to give us something because of, and there are a couple lines that I'll point out that especially lead to this as well. But they are pushing it. There's a couple weird like blocking choices. And there's a couple clues in earlier episodes, like when Klaus is, you know, making a deal with Stefan. Klaus is like, you guys both know the best thing for Elena is if both of you are out of her lives out of her life, you know, whatever. Yeah. So that's what the writers, that's the direction they were going at this point, at the end of season three. And I also want to point out, spoiled fans probably know this, The Vampire Diaries was originally supposed to run for 13 seasons. That's what Julie Pleck has said. But Nina Dobrev, as we know, leaves the show before its end. And so they had to change the trajectory of the show. And honestly, did we need 13 seasons? I don't know. Yeah, and I'm sure that had it ended with Elena and Matt together, this would not be going down in history as a good show. It would yeah. have gone the How I Met Your Mother route where everyone was like, ew, that show's bad now. Yeah, one thing about the Vampire Diaries writers, they come up with their ideas and good for them, come up with your ideas. They very much listen to the fans. They're like, okay, fans do not want Elena and Matt together. We can't do this. Yeah. 
And we I can't put them together. That. And I th- and I thank you for that, Julie Pluck. I do. So let's dig into the episode. We open the episode in 1912, first and foremost. There's two guys walking, you know, home at night. It's the sheriff in 1912. His name is Gerald Forbes. Which I thought was so funny. Gerald Forbes, the president. <laughs> I just made me I'm laugh. I'm sure they that did was on the name they chose. Gerald Forbes. <laughs> and his good friend, Zachariah Salvatore. Now, the Vampire Diaries loves to do this, where they just change a name slightly to make it more old fashioned. They're like, we already had Zach. I don't want to think of a new name, Zachariah. <laughs> I'm shocked they didn't do another like William, although they already had William technically, but there was some way to make it like Sir William Forbes instead. I know. Sheriff Forbes offers a ride from a police car to Zachariah because a councilman was recently murdered. And Zachariah says, you know what? I don't care. One murdered councilman does not make an epidemic. Okay. I'm walking home by myself. Classic dumbass behavior. One thing men will do is be stupid. They part ways. Mr. Salvatore is walking alone. He has a clatter and pretty quickly uh, he gets stabbed to death from the front. We don't see who does it at this time. But we see him fall. (laughs) But we see him fall and he looks pretty dead. And then we look at like, you know, the city of Mystic Falls and we do like a little time lapse transition to present day. Okay. Liz is walking into the police station with Carol and Liz says, you know, we're not going to solve this mystery any faster if you're yelling at me, Carol. And Carol's like, okay, well, there are two council members who have been murdered and there was another attempted murder. So if you have a suspect, it's your duty to keep me in the loop. And Carol's like, look, I'm not trying to like be mean, but you don't have any suspects. No, but Carol has heard that she has a suspect. Okay. After a long time without it. So she wants to know who it is. And I think that's a fair ask. She's the mayor. She doesn't need to know everything until it's actually a worthwhile lead. I'm on Liz's side here. I think Carol has the right to know. Since her family is a founding family, she's like, look, realistically, I'm in line here. I think Carol has a right to know once she gets a smidgen of evidence to prove he's actually a suspect. I think calling a look a suspect was dumb by Liz. Because right now, Liz doesn't want to accuse an innocent person. Liz has never called him a suspect yet. Then why is he in a jail cell? Well... I don't know. Drunken disorderly content. I don't know. Content. <laughs> content. Uh, behavior. What's the word? Conduct. Conduct. <laughs> <laughs> Drunken disorderly content is what I post on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Carol says, tell me who it is. Uh, Liz shuts her mouth and they go inside. Elsewhere, we see alert gasp awake. And we're like, oh, good. I, we know he was shot, but he's alive. Well, bad news. He's in a cell. And I thought he was being like held hostage by Miss Meredith. That's where I thought we were going. But not so. He's actually in jail. He tells Liz Forbes, like, hey, BTW, I didn't do it. And Damon says, you're arresting him for what Dr. Fell says. And Liz says, no, I'm detaining him. The cell is for his own good. He was shot. And Dr. Fell healed him with vampire blood. The logic here barely tracks, but the fact that he's in a cell is fun, story-wise. They just be detaining people. That's something Liz will do. That's the one thing she knows how to do. You're really anti-Liz Forbes. I'm anti-Liz in general. I've been anti-Liz since her murder of Jeremy Gilbert. I only see it more here. I love Liz Forbes. Liz Forbes is just doing her best with the information she has. I can't imagine this is her best. If this is her best, she needs a new career. Well, what would you do in this situation? I would start interviewing some fucking people. Well, she's going to interview a lurk. Well, after three murders, two murders and one attempted murder, she's going to interview one suspect. And the guy who was attempted murdered. Yeah, and he's the one who almost died. 
and she's getting all the information leading to that from her previous suspect, it's just questionable. Sure. And Rick says, okay, well, Dr. Fell's the one who shot me. So I don't really care that she then healed me. Yeah, he's like, yeah, that seems like the bare minimum she should be doing. And Liz says, well, to be fair, you did come at her with a knife. And he says, okay, a knife I found hidden in her things, which he also should say, I didn't come at her with it. I was literally just holding it. He's like, I was holding a knife in a towel and then she shot me. But hey, you got to give it to Meredith. She put herself in a pretty good position there. Well, and you got to give it to Meredith that Liz is believing this. So you still don't believe Meredith? I still, I mean, you know, we get to a point we'll where we'll get Meredith to there on the like end of the episode, but some version of trust. But at this point, I'm like, no, it's definitely Meredith. It's like, you're just going to believe her. She's a respected member of the council. And I mean, Alaric's on the council. I guess he's slightly less respected. He is the town drunk. <laughs> But he's slightly less respected. He's on the council because he begged to be on it. Liz didn't ask him to be on it. He is not a valued member of the council. They added him because they knew Damon wanted him and he keeps Damon in line. He is a necessary add to the council. They're not excited he's there. That is true. (laughs) But she was the first suspect. So her, you know, info should be looked at with a little bit of a grain of salt, which I guess you could argue Liz is doing that. But I would argue Looking at it with a grain of salt would mean not locking him up in a cell. Me personally. Sure. Hey, we all make our different decisions. Damon says, hey, um, are we going to ignore the fact that he was one of the victims of the serial killer? He was practically stabbed to death. And Liz says, okay, well, Dr. Fell suggested that his wounds could have been self-inflicted because she's a doctor. And to be fair, that is something that happens to get out of suspicion. But why would you self-inflict wounds if there is no suspicion on you? No one was like, maybe Alaric did it. And he was like, fuck, better stab myself. No. And he was on death's door when Elena found him. It's not like it was a pretty rough wound to be self-inflicted. And it wasn't clear Elena was like going to be there. Mm -hmm. You know, like it wasn't like, oh, Elena's going to be back at exactly this time. If I stab myself right, like I'll be saved. Like Mm -hmm. that wasn't a solid guess. And it is weird that he didn't die when the others did. Like that's suspicious. So I get this general thought that it's possible. But again, your first suspect is the one who told you maybe it's self-inflicted. Maybe get a second opinion just to be safe. Well, the medical examiner is dead. <laughs> so there's no other doctors in this town. Well, and his wound healed. She was the only one who looked at his wounds before they That's healed. That's true. That is true. That's on alert for hanging out with a woman he was suspecting of being a serial killer and then continuing to hang out with her. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> That's on alert. <laughs> That's on Alaric for trusting Tori DeVito and his picker. Yeah. Alaric says, you think I stabbed myself? And Liz says, you know, I really don't know what to think. I've got nothing but murder weapons from your stash and a respected founding family member pointing a finger. And Rick says, well, obviously she's setting me up. Obviously I'm being framed. And Liz says, maybe so. But I have no proof of that right now. Maybe so, but you're staying in the cell until I know. Yeah, maybe so, but I lost the key to this cell. So, (laughs) so. The deputy that holds the keys has lost the whole ring once again. Uh, he dropped it in a sewer grate. Uh, this has happened four times this week. He dropped it when he was chasing a dog who had a donut in his mouth. So I don't know what to tell you. And he does not know the path he followed. So we're just looking all over town for these keys. Unrelated, Damon, if you find any keys, <laughs> let me know. Turn him in. <laughs> So Damon says he's going to find some proof. And Liz says, no, actually, you're going to stay out of this because you getting involved will make it worse. And don't make me put you in that cell with him. I understand the threat here, but Liz, I don't think you're going to overpower the man. Well, frankly, you get him in the cell, he'll rip his way out. 
And second of all, in what world is you telling Damon don't get involved a way to keep him from getting involved? She has to try. She's got other stuff going on. She's like, I don't have the energy to actually prevent this. So I'm going to just say it. And then I've said it. I can know that I said it. I can't control anything else. Not to be even higher on my I hate Liz Forbes soapbox. I guess you are, though. (laughs) But I'm stepping up. How much worse can it possibly get, Liz? You don't have any other suspects. You don't know what the fuck you're doing. I don't think he can hurt the situation, to be completely honest. With yeah, you. it actually it can't hurt to have some more police work. And eventually we find out it actually helps to have Damon's point of view because he was alive during a similar situation. And now, Liz, if you had been doing any research on this case that is, I'm sure, the biggest case in Mystic Falls at the moment, you would have known about a past serial killer doing a very similar thing. Now, to be fair, if she's looking for a suspect for a current case, why would she look at a police file from 1912? That as far as we know, had a confession. I think that's something she should know about if there was a similar like, hmm, there's a serial killer in Mystic Falls. Have we ever had a serial killer in Mystic Falls before? Let's look back. You have to imagine this is, you know, common knowledge, like local lore. I mean, mama, let's research. No, it's not. I don't think it is common knowledge in local lore because they talk about specifically later how it was swept under the rug because she was a founding family member, Samantha Gilbert. Swept under the rug by the Founders Council and the police, both of which groups Liz Forbes is part of. Yeah, but I think the Founders Council in 2011 is not commonly talking about this. And you have to remember, Liz Forbes is a founding council member by marriage. That's true. So this isn't like long-term history for her. I do think it's just worth looking into the history of the area and figuring out about this. Sure. I think it's worth it, but I think she's got, I think she's got bigger fish to fry. I don't think she has time to go look in an old town ledger. What bigger fish? What work is she doing on this? There's vampires in town. No, but on this case in the two weeks, what work has she done? First of all, it's probably only been like four days. I think it's been at least a week. She literally is investigating. She's looking for fingerprints. She gets caught up with the bureaucratic red tape of lab results. You're sounding very much like a cop apologist. No, I'm a Liz Forbes apologist. And to be fair, here's the thing to be fair to Liz Forbes. This job as a sheriff in Mystic Falls is much harder than a sheriff in a normal town. Like, yes, a sheriff on your little show Criminal Minds should be looking at old serial killers. But she has to run it through the supernatural filter, too. She's got a lot of other things to think about. Not to mention, her daughter's a vampire who's going through some stuff. I feel like you're putting a lot of pressure on Liz Forbes. Okay, here's the thing. She never goes home and deals with her daughter. She's always at work. Second of all, looking for fingerprints, that was the crime scene technicians. That was not her. Third of all, has no deputy digitized any record in this town? What do you think the answer to that question is? I I just They have not digitized the records. As you can see, In history, in Mystic Falls, everything is passed down orally. We have seen many times before that there's information in a journal that no one has looked at because they haven't felt the need because things were passed down orally. If she's relying on things that are passed down orally, as all of the Founders Council does, there are going to be blind spots. I don't think it's the fault of Liz Forbes that there are these blind spots. Because Carol Lockwood's over there yelling at Liz Forbes, she could be researching too. Mama, let's research. Mama, let's research if you want to know who a suspect is so bad to be a Carol Lockwood apologist. <laughs> that's not her fucking job. What's her job? Being the mayor. What's she going so busy Going to with? events. Going to events. What event? Bur- burgening with the originals. Going to a ball. She's that balancing all these... Okay, you just said the killings were only four <laughs> days ago. Okay. So. <laughs> the timeline's <laughs> unclear. The timeline's unclear. It's the first time she's ever looked for a serial killer. Whatever. 
But I just think she is not doing enough work that's actually investigative work or she would be a lot further. Okay, this is my last thing about Liz Forbes. I want to remind you of something. Mm-hmm. This is not criminal minds. Liz Forbes is not in the FBI. She is not under any impression that she is a professional at no. getting rid of serial killers. So it's not going to work as fast as your little procedurals. I, I get that. And this is the last thing I'll say. <laughs> okay. But it's her job to investigate a killer. And okay. I haven't seen any evidence of her doing that. Okay, well, then you're just looking away. I think I won that argument. Before we I think on. I won that argument. We'll so. let the fans decide. If you <laughs> shout out if you're pro Liz Forbes and if you're anti Liz Forbes, shut up. Hashtag recall Liz Forbes. No, don't recall her. <laughs> Outside the police station, Matt and Elena are running together and she's running really, really fast. And he says, ah, what are we running a marathon? Okay, marathons are about distance, not speed. She says, if you can't keep up. And Matt says, hey, BTW, you can't outrun your problems. She keeps running. He says, okay, well, it looks like you're going to try. And then he says, oh, by the way, I talked to Bonnie. This stops Elena in her tracks. She asks what Bonnie says. And Matt says, you know, they're at her mom's house. Abby has decided to complete the transition and Caroline's going to help her through it. Elena's like, oh my God, is there anything I can do? And Matt says, you know, like Bonnie understands it isn't your fault, but she's upset. And Elena says, Damon turned her mom into a vampire to save my life. It is my fault. It's Damon's fault. But- <laughs> yeah, it's Damon's fault, but whatever. She's emotional. And then Matt says, oh, are you going to make me run more? <laughs> but before she can run, she gets a call from Sheriff Forbes. And she's like, wait, what? She's like, are you stupid? Have you been investigating at all? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we go over to the police station. Elena runs into Damon. He was like, hey, yeah, I was just with Rick. He's fine, but the sheriff wants me to stay out of it. And Elena says, oh, but you won't, right? Because your friend is in jail for murder and you're going to do something about it, right? And he really seems like he's not going to do anything about it. He says, oh, I don't know. I could rip out Dr. False Accusations throat or her tongue, chop it up, feed it to squirrels. Elena says, stop. He says, so do you do want me to stay out of it? She says, okay, you know what? And he says, okay, uh, I saved your life last night, by the way. You're welcome. And she says, you know, you could show some compassion about Bonnie. Uh, He doesn't want to, obviously. Yeah, he's like, that doesn't sound like me. He says, oh, yeah, they must be really hurting. Should I send them a lasagna? (laughs) She says, okay, you're being mean. She's like, well, it couldn't hurt. Actually, now that you come come to think of it, you should send them a lasagna. He says, I'm mean, you hate me. The earth is back on its axis. Ha ha ha. He's, you know, deflecting. And then she says, you know, if you keep pushing people away, you're going to end up alone. Oh, girl, it's seven (laughs) in the morning. (laughs) She walks away, though, having gotten the last word. So we go over to the Salvatore house. Stefan is tapping on his leg. He looks a little impatient. He's on the precipice of writing in his diary. And then Damon enters and he does a little light diary ribbing. He, do- he says a little line, which is very popular in Damon edits to show how funny he is, where he pretends he's Stefan. And he talks about his journal and he says, dear diary, a chipmunk asked my name today. Uh, he t- I told him it was Joe. That lie will haunt me forever. I thought that was very funny. It's a classic. <laughs> that is the kind of thing that would haunt Stefan forever. You got to give him that. It's true. <laughs> Stefan asks, hey, what do you want? And Damon says, oh, you want to hang out, brother Bond? Like, I know that we don't hang out. We usually, like, team up and join forces, but we could, like, you know, hang out. And Stefan says, what are you doing? And Damon says, well, I'm digging up clues. Most originals are gone, but now we have a whodunit on our hands. And he says, hey, you remember when we came back for Zachariah's funeral? And Stefan says, vaguely. And Damon says, well, if memory serves, he wasn't the first council member that was killed that month. So I'm trying to remember what year that was. And Stefan says, 1912. 
And Damon's like, okay, I guess not vaguely. Damon says, 1912, the last time Mystic Falls had a serial killer on its hands. And he tosses Stefan one of his old diaries. Stefan opens it. And as we read it, we transition in to 1912. Stefan writes, oh, you know, it's so strange to be back home after a long time away. I thought I'd never return, least of all for a funeral. And he's at the funeral, whatever, he's in the cemetery. And he walks up to two ladies. First one, we find out her name is Mariana Lockwood. She says to Stefan, I'm so sorry for your loss. I heard you were a distant cousin of Zachariah. And Stefan says, nephew, actually. What does it matter? Uh, (laughs) It's all a lie anyway. Why bother correcting her? (laughs) And she says, well, I'm Mariana Lockwood. This is Samantha Gilbert. And he says, oh, any relation to Jonathan? And she says, yeah, he was my grandpa. Did you know each other? And Stefan says, we cross paths. Now the math on ages doesn't make sense there, but to be fair, Samantha is a woman. She probably never learned arithmetic at this time. <laughs> she's, she's got her own thing going on. She's busy. Yeah, she's busy. She's all in her head. And Stefan says, you know, ladies, I don't mean to be inappropriate, but no one seems to be willing to discuss the details of Zachariah's death. And Samantha says, oh, he was murdered and he wasn't the first. She's been sitting on that one the whole funeral. She's like, does anyone want to ask how he died? Yeah. Mariana says, don't be a gossip. And Samantha says, well, you know, he's a founding family member. He should know. She says, you know, Mr. Salvatore, it is not a good time to be a founder in this town. And they walk away. And then a crow squawks. We haven't seen a crow in a while. Back to the crow. Love that. And it does do what the crow used to do, which is, you know, foreshadow Damon's arrival. So up walks Damon. He is wearing a bowler hat and he is looking like a little bitch baby. He says... Hmm. Have you been eating the relatives again? Okay, what's the the anti-Damon? He's a little bitch baby in 1912. You cannot deny that. He is a little bitch baby, but in a cute way. I don't agree, but that's fine. (laughs) They're like, oh, long time. Uh, Stefan says, you know, we haven't seen each other in almost 50 years. I'm surprised you came. And Damon says, oh, and missed the funeral of uh, Uncle Zachariah. And it's also, it's worth pointing out that when they say it's been almost 50 years, so this is the first time that they have seen each other since 1864 exactly when they turned great math stefan says well i see you're still mad at me and damon says why would i be you made me become a vampire and now i walk the world alone drinking other people's blood okay this was giving bitch baby (laughs) you're fine (laughs) this was not cute to me it's like okay suck it up it's been 50 years suck it up or die like honestly your lunch like it's fine yeah (laughs) stefan says you know any chance you took it out on our nephew zachariah and Damon says, you know, if I'm not mistaken, you're the one who killed our family. May our father rest in peace. Okay, Damon, you didn't like your dad that much. Let's not get on our high horse. He, but he does have the win here in He that does way. make a good point. That Stefan is the only one between the two of them who they know has killed a relative. Like, if either one of us is killing a relative, the evidence is for Stefan. And look, it's not like I wanted our dad saved, but you did kill him. Damon's like, look, I'm not pro-Giuseppe, but... <laughs> but I am anti-Stefan. <laughs> And Stefan says, well, you know, I'm not like that anymore. And Damon says, congrats. I want to live my eternal existence as far away from you as possible. Tantrum. It's like, okay, well, then why'd you come back to your hometown? But okay. Did you think he wasn't (laughs) going to come? Stefan says, wait, let's grab a drink and catch up. I've missed you, brother. Damon says, sure, why not? Next, Damon's like, what else am I going to do today? And back in the present day, Damon says to Stefan, oh, you want to get drunk? Stefan says, oh, I get it. You're bored. Your best friend's in jail and you have nothing better to do. Yeah. And do you want to go get a drink or not? Yeah. What's your point? (laughs) Damon says, yeah, that's all true. And I want you to help me solve a murder. Then we go over to the grill 
Rebecca is meeting with Carol Lockwood to ask her about old trees in town because Carol Lockwood is the head of the Preservation Society. Carol says, you know, a long line of Lockwood women kept tree records before they had real jobs. Girl, you got this job because your husband died. Although that is a fun fact that botany used to be like a woman's hobby, pressing flowers and things like that. A lot of old plant records are from like personal collections. As a botanist, this is my info. In an older barium, there was a book of mosses where the woman had spelled out the word moss in moss as the title page. Play. Just something fun. <laughs> that is a fun little fact. So that's apparently what the Lockwoods were doing. And Rebecca says, yeah, you know, I went to the Founders Archive, but I can't find any record of the tree I'm looking for. And Carol says, well, it probably got cut down. Like a lot of big trees were used to build the town in the 1900s. Yeah, Carol's like, we cut down most of the good trees. Like we wanted buildings. Yeah. And then the Salvators enter. They clock Rebecca is there, of course. Damon and Rebecca briefly make eyes. So we're still dealing with this. And it's like, boo. I know, just whatever, move on. And Rebecca says to Carol, you know, do you know who kept the milling ledgers during that period? And Carol says, oh, as a matter of fact, I do. It's an easy answer. All the logging mills were owned by the Salvatores. Rebecca says, fucking, of course, dude. She's like, okay. So like, now how do I ask about an old tree without them figuring this out? And apparently she doesn't need any tact, but we'll get yeah. there. <laughs> so Damon and Stefan sit at the burn. Damon says, so what does a medical examiner, Bill Forbes and Alaric Saltzman have in common? Stefan, you know, taps the burr and Damon says, hey, can you quit with the tapping? You know, quitting blood cold turkey after your ripper binge might not be the best approach. Every time you play that all or nothing game, you eventually leave a trail of bodies. So maybe now's a good time to revisit moderation. You know who, who said that? Me, early on. Well, we'll see how it works. We will. Stefan says they were all on the Founders Council. That's what they have in common because he wants to change the subject. Damon says, yeah, but why them? Brian Walters and Alurk weren't even from founding families. If you're going to slaughter council members, you got to go A-list. At least in 1912, they killed a Salvatore. <laughs> and I think this is a good defining characteristic that we haven't really touched on that. Yes, they're found like the founders council members, but two of the three were not founding family members. So you have to think maybe it's a false equivalency. I know there's a number. Um, I know there's a better term for it, but basically you're seeing the wrong pattern. Yeah. Like that pattern may be correct, but maybe there's another pattern we should be looking for. Something to think about. Something to think about. Rebecca approaches because she heard them say that in 1912, a Salvatore was killed. She says, which Salvatore would that be? She's like, great. Right into my to exactly the information I need. She said, which Salvatore would that be? Did he own a logging mill? <laughs> what was his favorite treat? Then we go back over to the police station and Alaric's cell. And Alaric's talking to Liz and he says, you have to agree with me, Sheriff, that there is no motive here. Yeah, he's like, why would I have done this? Like, you have to give me some information. And she does give him information. She says, okay, well, both the medical examiner and my ex-husband got into altercations with Meredith Fell before their deaths. She said you were a witness to her fight with Brian Walters. And Alaric says, are you going to say I was defending her honor? I barely knew her then. And Liz says, yeah, but she also said that she told you that Bill threatened to report her to the medical board. And Rick says, well, no, she didn't tell me that. And Liz says, there was a 2 a.m. phone call the night he was killed. I pulled your phone records. You spoke with her for over an hour. You got to admit that doesn't look good for Alex. And Alex now in a situation where he's like, now I have to admit that I was fully blacked out and do not recall that. Yeah, he says, okay, uh, cards on the table. I remember calling her, but I was drinking. I don't remember the conversation. You know, I'm just throwing this out. Obviously, Liz is seeing these clues and seeing Alex is like protecting Meredith or something. 
I think a much more reasonable motive for Lurk still is that he was like, oh, I can kill people and here's an easy suspect. Like this reasoning behind it already. Like yeah. I get that motive more than like him protecting Meredith. Sure. But if that were really his motive, then he would have found a way to attack himself when Meredith didn't have an alibi. Yeah. That seems like a layup. It does. <laughs> but but he's also an alcoholic. Like you have to admit his credibility is not really like his credibility to us. The audience is pretty high at this point. Yeah. But Liz barely knows this guy. And you have to give it to Meredith. Meredith goes off later in the episode when she calls him like a borderline alcoholic. He is. Meredith played Liz like a fiddle here. Well, Liz is trying to get proof that Alaric is out, but with no other suspects and this evidence that Meredith has presented, you have to admit the evidence is compelling against Alaric. Whether or not we think it's true, you have to admit yeah. this evidence is compelling. It's definitely suspicious, but I think there's still the question of where she's getting this evidence that makes it less compelling. Because so much of this evidence is from Meredith. Sure, but a lot of it is true. So like, yeah. yes, Meredith told her that Alaric knew about the altercation between her and Brian Walters, but there was an altercation between her and Brian Walters. And yeah. yes, Meredith told him about the medical board. Like, yes, the information is iffy, but it is true. Yeah. Or at least to our knowledge, because since Alaric can't remember the conversation, Meredith could easily say she said whatever in that conversation. Yeah, exactly. And if she was on the phone, she would probably have a good guess of whether or not could remember things yeah it would be an unsure guess for sure but i have to say gotta blame that one on a lyric he did yeah. blackout <laughs> and that is why you don't drunk dial someone yeah it doesn't that, end well that is the lesson they might accuse you of murder <laughs> and liz wants him out so she's like okay well do you have an alibi for the night brian walters was killed and rick says well i was at the bridge fundraiser till midnight you saw me there and liz says time of death was 1 to 3 a.m and he says i must have been home sleeping i'm sure of it and it's like, baby boy, that is not an alibi. I know. And he, as he says it, he knows it's not an alibi either. He's like, yeah. fuck. This he is like, this evidence is compelling. He's like, well, okay. Yeah, I guess they don't have an alibi. What are you going to do? Yeah. He's like, damn, why didn't she sleep over that night? Yeah. Maybe because she was killing someone. Yeah, she was busy. She had plans. So let me go back over to the grill. Rebecca says, oh, so Zachariah Salvatore was your nephew. Like, she's like really trying to fake interest to get to the logging mill information. Yeah. Damon says, okay, well, our father knocked up a maid during the Civil War. Classic Giuseppe Salvatore sexually yeah. assaulting women. The maid had a son. And as far as everyone knew, Stefan and Damon were dead. So the family name went to Zach. She says, oh, and you and your family, you guys owned the logging mills back then. You know, on one level, I would say, Queen, I beg you to have a little bit of tact. But apparently she doesn't need it because they don't pick up on it at all. Like, why would she care about that, guys? Think Unless... for like two seconds. Be like, why does Rebecca care about a tree? Oh, there's a white oak somewhere. They just don't think she's capable of anything. So she's kind of eating here. Men are so stupid. Like, Rebecca's not our smartest soldier. But man, she's playing them. She's playing them. And they're not even paying attention. Granted, she doesn't get the information. So how much does she really play them? But she got at least like another name to find like ledgers. She knows they have them. She can get into their house. That's true. Damon says, you know, you're full of a lot of questions because he does think it's with it just my logging mills. But she says, I'm just researching town history since I grew up here. It's a very flimsy lie. But Damon doesn't see the true ulterior motive. And instead he's like, oh, if you want to have sex again, you can just ask me. And she's Not like, about oh, that. you're so stupid. Not about that, King. She's like, yes, it was a lie. I don't care about history, but it is so not for that. Yeah. She's, She's like, like, first of all, I like Matt. 
First of all, I'm obsessed with Matt Donovan. Uh, she says there's not enough liquor in the world. He says that it was too good for her to be this hostile. I, I would love to hear Rebecca's opinion on it because I'm not trusting Damon's. Yeah. Stefan takes a bottle of liquor and like steps away from the middle of this conversation because he's like, I don't want to be sitting between this. He's like, I'm not doing this. No, thanks. I've heard enough. And he goes away from them at the bar and he keeps tapping on the bar. And Damon says, okay, please excuse my little brother. He is jonesing for O positive. And Stefan says, I'm not jonesing. And Rebecca's like, I don't really have time for this little drama. Did they ever catch the killer? And Damon says, nope. They wrote it all off on vampires. And Rebecca says, well, maybe it was a vampire. Yeah, she's like, that's not a crazy thought. Like, like maybe let's entertain that thought. She's like, we do kill a lot of people. <laughs> and Stefan says, yeah, Damon. Maybe it was a vampire. And Damon says, okay, well, don't think for a second you didn't cross my mind too. But those murders weren't your style. Plus, there were no other vampires circling then. And Stefan says, well, there was one other vampire. Remember Sage? And Damon does because apparently she was also very good in bed. Uh, He chugs some bourbon and transitions us back to 1912. where he is also chugging bourbon. Some things never change. (laughs) Stefan says, hey, maybe you've had enough. Of you? (laughs) Of you? (laughs) Damon says, ah, hit a man when he's down. They're at some, like, fair. There's horses. There's a boxing ring. A woman is boxing and beating a man's ass. Uh, She knocks him out and she says, all right, who's next? A hundred bucks to any man who can beat me. Uh, This is Sage. She's a vampire and she is, she has a mogul mindset. Yeah, this is a smart hustle as a female vampire. She's just racking up that money. Yeah, this is smart. Uh, She immediately spots Damon and exchanges some longing looks with him because, I don't know, she's a flirty girl. Yeah, she can probably sense they're vampires. Yeah. Stefan says, you know, I can teach you how to survive without human blood. (laughs) Can you? (laughs) Stefan, I don't think so. Who taught you? You're not really really capable of it, my king. (laughs) You have to master it before you can teach it. Damon says, you do not get to lecture me on how to live my life anymore. And then they split up. They've had their, you know, they've had a little brief spat. They split up for the moment. And Sage approaches Damon. She says, hey, what's your name? And he says, not interested. And she says, okay. She says, that can't be right. Recalibrate. (laughs) You seem like a gambling man. And he says, "Uh, you have me wrong. And then she gives him some paper and says, that's too bad. I don't know what the paper says. I think it's like a betting slip or something. Sure. And then back in the modern day, Rebecca says, I knew a sage once. She was trashy. Now, a pot kettle. Yeah, pot kettle queen. Also, <laughs> I mean, it is an insane coincidence that it's the same sage. And I don't think in real life anyone would ever assume that it's the same person. But it's the Vampire Diaries. It's clean. It's not a coincidence. Yeah. Uh, Damon promptly ignores Rebecca's comment and says to Stefan, you really think it was Sage killing founders back then? And Stefan says, well, you know, the town questioned every grown man. They probably never even thought that a woman could have done it. Then uh, over in the hospital parking lot, Elena is waiting for Meredith Fell to arrive. She does. And she spots Elena immediately. And she says, "Okay, well, I'm doing surgery. So whatever case you're going to make against Alaric, make it quick. And Elena says, well, actually, I don't have to make a case because he didn't do anything. (laughs) And Meredith says, "Okay, uh, how do you know that you live with him and he takes care of you? But do you really know anything about him? Now, this is something someone should be asking her. Yeah, like you did just let this dude move in with you. I hate to say it. I'm on Team Meredith in this conversation. She's making points. You know, she is making points. I wouldn't say I'm on Team Meredith because obviously, like, Elena has gotten to know Alaric, so it's fine. And especially like the Isabel 
drop like okay well that doesn't count because it's isabel I mean, that's but funny. this is a good question yeah elena says well you know i know enough and meredith says okay well let me tell you what i know because she's been she's been researching she says he was arrested for fighting four times before the age of 21 at duke his future wife isabel filed a restraining order against him twice although then she married him so i guess that says more about her see but that just sounds like something isabel would do for fun so that I don't think is against him and uh, a work fighting uh, uh, sexy. So that passes for me. Yes, I'm fine. <laughs> Elena says, you're making this all up. And Meredith says, am I? How would you know? You took pity on a borderline alcoholic vampire hunter and you never even thought to look any deeper. And I think saying borderline was pretty nice. Yeah, literally, that's a compliment. And to be fair, I mean, when Alaric first came into town, Damon like looked into him, so... And they've learned his background, whatever. But you do have to give it to Meredith. She's making points. I think it is impressive that despite all this time that they've known Alec, they have gotten into his past. They like know a lot about him. They trust him that she's even able to plant a seed of doubt. Yeah. Like that's impressive. Even if it isn't like growing into a full grown plant of doubt, she's able to get that seed in there. Yeah. And I mean, Elena tries to make it seem like it's not getting to her she changes the subject she says how could you do this to him he didn't kill anyone and you know it and meredith says you date vampires elena it shouldn't come as a shock to learn you're regarding in as a murderer and leaves this is kind of a mic drop but also kind of a non sequitur but it affects elena so it does what it needs to do meredith ate in this scene it is a point of like yeah you don't think he kills people but Keep in mind the company you keep. Like, realistically, it's not that big of a jump. Yeah, you hang out with people who do kill people. And so you know how people can come across as heroes when they are not. Yeah, it's just questions to be brought up at the minimum. So then over at the grill, Rebecca's like, so tell me more about your old relatives. I heard they tore down half the woods in this town. So, and, and where were those woods? If these two thought critically for five seconds, they would be like, there's a white oak tree in town somewhere, isn't there? There is a power in Miss Rebecca. Like, no one thinks she's a threat. Like, yeah, they think she's a threat that she would, like, physically hurt them. But no one thinks she's trying to get information. And it's like, you know, she's not the smartest person, but you guys need to watch out still. Mm-hmm. And I do have a question, kind of. Sure. If this white oak tree were cut down to build a building, like, could you take that wood and use it? I think we're under the impression that yes, because like Michael's steak was old wood, you know, if you can form a steak out of it. So like, you know, if it's like if it's been carved into like little mini like wooden calico critters, it might be tough. (laughs) That's just the first place my mind went. Shoot those through a gun. (laughs) (laughs) What a way to go. (laughs) But you have to imagine that if it's like a beam in a building somewhere, you could just take a piece and fashion into a steak. I was just curious because it's whether the tree is alive or in a building, it still is good for Rebecca to know where it has ended up. Either way, she'll burn it down. (laughs) Whether she's burning a tree or a building. Yeah. Not her problem. Wouldn't it be funny if it was like it ended up being wood that built some of their house and they like got a splinter and we're like, ow, that would be funny. Let's do a thought exercise. Where do you think it is? If you had to guess, because I remember where it is. So I actually know where it is. So I guess that implies, well, no, not necessarily. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. I was going to say that implies that it's still standing, but I don't think so. I think, okay, I'm going to go big with this. Please. With this guess. Actually, no, I'm sticking with this. I think it's in the bell tower. 
like the wood from it. What makes you think that? Just I think it would be dramatic if someone fell from a bell tower. Like Pretty Little Liars. Sure. I think it's in a building realistically because I think that old of a tree, it's realistic to think that if there's like a 700 year old oak tree, Carol Lockwood would know about it. I think that's a good point. Do you think, and I don't mean to lead you with this question at all, but do you think maybe that it's in a meaningful location that we've been to over the course of the series? I was, my first thought before I guessed Bell Tower was the witch house. Okay. Um, The old witch house. I think actually it would be so interesting. What? Is if it's in either the Gilbert house or the Gilbert Lake house. There's a lot of wood in that lake house. So those are just a couple thoughts sure. thrown out. I don't feel particularly confident about either of, about any of those. Sure. But I don't think it's still standing. Damon takes Rebecca's alcohol bottle from her and he says, easy there. It's been a hoot and a half, but it's boys night. And you weren't invited. And they leave her and she's like, come on. She's like, mm, that's never stopped me before. She's like, I'm going to keep following you, but thanks. Then we go over to Meredith's apartment. Matt is picking the lock and breaking in with Elena. Uh, this is a bad decision on all accounts. Oh, I disagree. I think this is a great decision. I mean, I guess they find some stuff. Elena says, look, I don't know how much longer she'll be in surgery, so let's see what we can find. And Matt says, don't you think the police already combed through this place? She handed over everything she had. So he really trusts the police. A lot of trust in both Liz Forbes, her deputies, and Meredith. Yeah. (laughs) Elena says, well, I'm looking for evidence that she didn't hand over. And Matt says, hey, are you sure that we should be investigating her? And the implication is like, Shouldn't Maybe we, be we should look into Alaric? Alaric? Yeah. Like, didn't she bring up some interesting points about Alaric? Yeah. Matt's like, you know, I'm not saying she didn't do it, but it seems like we should, you know, let's investigate in the house we're allowed in. First. Let's broaden the scope. Yeah. Yeah. Elena says, you know, I know him, Matt. He's innocent. And I also know that Meredith Safel, she's a founding family, which means there are skeletons in the closet. And in the closet, indeed, there are skeletons. It's a secret box of stuff. They take out banker boxes full of files on Brian Walters, Bill Forbes, and Alaric Saltzman. That's the first thing they find. To me, it's like, well, she was looking for evidence to frame Alaric or to accuse Alaric, maybe not frame. Yeah, this is this thing where, you know, she left these files out for Alaric to see. And if they were medical files, it wouldn't have been suspicious. If they were medical files, she would have handed those over to the police. Mm -hmm. But it's more than that. And then we go back over to the grill and the Salvatores are playing darts. And Damon says, you know, let's just say that Sage was killing everyone in 1912. Who's doing it now? It can't be Dr. Fell because she's a woman. There's no way she could stab three grown men. And Rebecca catches the dirt and she says, that's sexist. A woman could kill a man with the right motivation. And this was a very popular sound on TikTok recently. It was. That's what I was just going to say. And I was watching it. I was like, that kind of sounds like Rebecca. And then I went to go click the original sound and I saw it was Damon. I was like, oop, go away. You don't need to watch that yet. Not much of a spoiler, obviously. Yeah, it wasn't much of anything. Stefan says, you just don't give up, do you? And she says, no, (laughs) ma'am. She says, not even a little bit, baby. She says, why are you so grumpy? And And Damon says, oh, well, he's on a cleanse. He's trying to be a better man. And Rebecca says, you know, you were a lot more fun in the 20s. A little party never killed nobody. And he says, don't I fucking know it. Damon says, okay, you'll rile him up. He's testy when he's self-righteous. And Stefan says, I'm not being self-righteous. I'm just not interested in slaughtering innocent humans. Sounds a little self-righteous to me. (laughs) And Damon said, I I knew you'd say that. Um, Damon (laughs) says, fair enough, my mistake. You used to be self-righteous. He pulls out Stefan's old diary and reads aloud. He says, Damon has lost his way. I've pulled my life together, but he continues to waste his. And you know what? No, he went off. No, he made a point. No. 
No, he didn't. Damon's wasting his life when we meet him in 1912. Okay, what is Stefan doing? He's just crying. Yeah, but at least Stefan is reckoning with his relationship of being a vampire. Anyway, we're not going to get into Stefan versus Damon right now because it is funny how we have become really the, the two sides of it. Damon tosses the journal over to Rebecca and she gets to read a line. So she gets to be involved for a second. She says his bitterness consumes him. He's blackness and bile. She calls it judgy. Uh, and it kind of is. It is. <laughs> oh my God. Blah, blah, blah. He has human blood sometimes. And I hate my life. And oh, I'm hungry. <laughs> That's Stefan's diary. Yeah, I could, I could track that. <laughs> Again, I say he's dealing with addiction. Yeah. It doesn't need to blame Damon for it. He's not blaming Damon, but the thing is, he doesn't understand how Damon, the way he views his relationship with blood, and he's the only vampire he really knows because he's been binging for like 50 years, and then he's gotten That's better, true. except I think he's already met Lexi at this point. Yeah, he had to have met Lexi because she cleared him the first time. So the thing is, he doesn't know a vampire who doesn't struggle with this. He can't like look at Damon and be like, oh, well, he's fine. He can be like, well, he must be struggling because yeah. I can't be the only one who has a problem, but you are. <laughs> but you are, baby. So Stefan says, oh, this is fun. And Rebecca says, oh, well, Damon, you didn't seem like that much fun either. And he says, yeah, well, I wasn't. Uh, The woman I was in love with was stuck in a tomb. She wasn't getting out for 100 years. So I was not having any fun. Man, you were still down bad for Catherine. (laughs) Yeah. And he had like another 100 years of being down bad for Catherine after this. Yeah. Rough time for him. So then we go back to 1912. Damon is in the back alley killing someone and drinking their blood. Sage comes up behind him and she says, huh. How sad. You're doing it all wrong. That's bad vampire behavior. And he says, okay, well, I was hungry. Now I'm not. My quality of form is subjective. Yeah, he's like, it's literally just food. Like, it's not an art form. I'm literally just eating a sandwich. Yeah. I'm literally having a sandwich. (laughs) I'm going to start going up to people eating a sandwich. Now you're doing that all wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Sage says, you know, a woman isn't just for food. She's for pleasure. Now, somehow that's more dehumanizing. <laughs> somehow that's worse. Damon says, well, you know, I don't need a woman for pleasure. I'm spoken for. She says, yeah, we're all spoken for in some way. But what is being a vampire if not relishing in the pleasure of it? I'll show you. And Damon has no friends at this point. You have to admit he has no oh, friends. He has no friends. And he's living a pretty sad life because he's just like, well, guess I'll be alone till Catherine wakes up. Now, first of all, Damon, she doesn't care if you live, if you yeah, live or Now, die. first of all, she's alive. She could find you right now, but she doesn't want to. First of all, I hate to tell you she's not in the tomb. He's also being depressed and lame. Like, but at least he's not being dramatic in a diary about it. <laughs> he's keeping that shit bottled up like a true man. <laughs> There's no evidence. They go inside and they watch the boxing ring. And Sage says, look at all the women. Beautiful, aren't they? And then she points at like the girls in the front who are having fun. She says, not them. <laughs> she says, they're too hungry for attention. So now I know why vampires don't approach me. I'm having too much fun. That's why I have not been killed by a vampire yet. I'm, I'm too hungry for attention. She says, you want the ones who button themselves up. They can't tear their eyes away. She said, modest is hottest. She says, those are the women who secretly crave seduction. They'll put up a good fight, but the game is winning them over, making them beg for it. And Damon says, what if they don't? And she says, you're a vampire. You just take it. He really took this 10 minute conversation and said, okay, personality found. Yeah, he made it his whole personality. <laughs> Then we go back to the grill and Rebecca says, yeah, that sounds like the sage I knew. Trashy. Yeah, she said, like I said, trashy bitch. Because, you know, she saw Rebecca. And she said that girl wants attention. And Rebecca said, so what if I fucking do ugly? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Rebecca says, yeah, that sounds like that skank whore sage. 
<laughs> and Damon says, oh, how did you know her? And Rebecca says, well, she was obsessed with my brother Finn over 900 years ago. Now, bad taste. And Damon says what the audience is all thinking, which is what? <laughs> Finn? Uh, he says the creepy suicidal guy. He's like, are you sure you don't mean Cole? Yeah. <laughs> you sure you don't mean Elijah even? Damon notices Stefan tapping the table again. And Stefan says, you know what? I need to get out of here. And Damon says, just admit that you're jonesing. And Stefan says like, no, I'm not. And then he says, okay, fine. I'm freaking out. I want to eat the entire wait staff. Why do you need to hear me say it? And Damon says, you know, because I'm feeling a little self-righteous too. Yes, he sure is. Well, because the first step is admitting you have a problem. Stefan just thinks he can push it down and ignore it forever. Damon's being a little bit holier than thou. I hate to turn your argument on you. He's being a little bit holier than that because he's like, he doesn't seem to understand how blood affects Stefan. Like, I understand the vibe of what he's trying to do here. But he's like, you can have a little bit. Obviously, he can't, at least not without like being watched. It's like, again, it's like going to an alcoholic and saying like, well, you can have one drink. It's a little holier than that. It's like, but I think the thing with Stefan, because we did see him have a little bit of blood in season two before he had to drink, like he was forced into drinking way more, you know? And he was able to even contain his composure for a while drinking blood with Klaus. And I think Damon is making a point that like, at this point, you're going either all or nothing. Mm -hmm. And that clearly is not sustainable either way because you hate when you're drinking blood, you're stressed all the time when you're not. Like maybe it's time to try something new. You've been alive 160 years and I've seen you be capable of having like a little bit and being able to do that in some way. So I think it's time to try something new. I think Damon does end up being right. I just think he is being a little bit holier than thou. He is, but I think he has evidence to push this, especially when we compare it to the clear 1912 parallel of this uh, plan that he goes with. Then we go back over to Meredith's apartment. Matt and Elena are looking through files and Elena says like, oh my God, she has everything on alert, medical records, court documents. And then Matt finds an old Gilbert journal. And let me just say, secret journal. I must've forgotten the fact that there was a secret journal because I was like, oh wow, this is truly a secret journal. <laughs> when they went to open that hole in the closet, I said secret journal. There's going to be a secret <laughs> journal. I was like, I keep getting proved right, baby. Matt says, why is one of your old family journals in the closet? And of course she doesn't know. Because she steals things. So yeah, it is a secret journal. I guess you were right. I really gaslit you into thinking that there was never going to be a secret journal. And there's been a few at this point. There's been a handful. Gaslighter. This is the first time you've admitted this was a secret journal. Even the Gilbert ones. You're like, well, those weren't really secret. Well, no, because the Gilbert ones that were in the lake house, my argument was that John must have known they were there. He just never read all of them. They weren't hidden yeah. from John. They were in a Gilbert property. This is a Gilbert journal in the closet of a fellow apartment. This is a secret. Yeah, fair enough. This I will maintain. This is a secret journal. I guess <laughs> you were right to theorize that. <laughs> and then Matt looks through some other stuff and he says, hey, didn't you say the medical examiner's time of death was 1 to 3 a.m.? And she says, yeah, why? And he says, because the county coroner's office says that's wrong. Then they hear the keys jingle and a lock turn. And they're like, oh my God, she's home, she's home. So they get themselves and the boxes in the closet as Meredith comes home, they stay quiet. She comes in, she changes clothes and it looks like she's about to leave. We hear the door close. We don't see her leave. And then they open the closet and she's right there, which is so <laughs> funny because you have to imagine she walked in and was like, okay, so someone broke in. So I'm going to change clothes and I'm going to pretend to leave and I'm going to be right there. Well, and she's probably like, realistically, it was Elena. Yeah, she was in surgery and she was like, Elena's probably breaking into my apartment right now. <laughs> she's like, I've never invited Damon in. 
and Elena seems like she would break into this apartment. So I guess I better get ready for that when I get home. And then she saw like a file coming out of the closet. She's like, you couldn't even hide it. It's quite <laughs> funny that she like kind of lets them think they get away with it for a second. Yeah. And then they come out and they look at each other. And she's like, oh, hi. Like, hi. Yeah. You're in my closet. You broke in. Really? Then we cut over to the sheriff's office. Matt and Elena are seated. And Liz Forbes says, hey, what were you guys thinking? And Elena says, okay, I know we had no right. And sheriff says, no right. No, you you broke the law. It's like, what were you thinking? Well, I was thinking I was doing your fucking job. Except doing it incorrectly with no warrant. Well, that's what Liz does too. When? She's always like, I don't know. I don't have a warrant. You're getting too, you're getting too negative. I don't have a warrant example, but she's forever illegally detaining people. She's only done it this one time. Elena, when she locked her in her office. Okay, that's a good point. They're all doing illegal things in this town, okay? And I know she's she's the the sheriff. Who's the sheriff? (laughs) Whatever. You know, you know what? You know what? You know what? (laughs) What? Vampires are breaking the laws of nature. So the laws of man, I think, are a little bit lower stakes. But she's dedicated her life to the laws of man. She doesn't dedicate her life to it. It's just her job. She's got a great work-life balance. Does she? I don't know. She never goes home. We see her at home. Well, canonically, she's very rarely at home. Like, we've heard this conversation before. Sure, sure. And all that to be bad at the job. Let's take a step back because Liz is good at her job in this scene. Oh, this scene, she has points. I mean, they did break into an apartment. If you'll remember... She's let Alaric out at this point. But anyway, let's get there. Elena says, okay, but we found something that clears Alaric. It gives him an alibi in the Brian Walters murder, which number one girl, even if you did find something that you couldn't find somewhere else, you can't use that in court. It's found illegally. The sheriff says, oh, you mean this? And it's a letter from the county coroner's office correcting the error in the time of death of Brian Walters. Meredith got it today and brought it to the sheriff hours ago full of apologies for accusing an innocent man. And Matt says, okay, well, why would she have a copy hidden in her closet? And the sheriff says, I cannot ask those questions because you broke into her home to find it. You could still ask. She does. She's not obligated to answer. My thing is, Meredith was, you know, the medical examiner after Brian Walters died. Yes. So the county coroner is correcting, like, she's essentially having a county coroner correct her mistake. Yes. It's just odd. Well, she has to get it validated. Yeah. She can't just say the time of death was different. I know she's got to get it validated, but it feels like if the proof that he didn't do it is like a mistake she made, that should bring her back into contention of suspects. But she has an alibi for the other one. That's the thing. Yeah, I guess. So they've already eliminated her because of her one alibi. And I'm not saying they should or shouldn't, but I'm just saying we don't know. Yeah. That's why they're eliminating her. Liz says, do you guys know how much I'm already protecting both of you? Which she really is. She helps these people out a lot. Yeah. She gives Elena like unfettered access to police records. That is true. So when she's bad at her job and it benefits our heroes, that's fine by me. Yeah. When she's bad at her job and people are dying as a result. Yeah, I'm okay with Well, it. No one's dying because of a result of this. Well, her investigation is stalled because she's not working enough on it. Well, she's working enough on it. The investigation is stalled, but no one's died since Alaric was attempted. That's true. So it's not like people are like constantly dying, but we, you know, whatever. Elena says, sorry. And the sheriff says, just go home, please. Alaric is going to be released as soon as the letter is authenticated. So off they go. Then we go outside the grill. Stefan is storming off. He's followed by Damon and Rebecca. Rebecca says, oh, he doesn't want to drink human blood. Where have you been, girl? 
<laughs> Damon's like, says, I didn't ask him anything about himself. <laughs> Damon says, yeah, he has an eternally guilty conscience. And Rebecca says, well, when I knew him in the 20s, he didn't have any conscience at all. That's what I liked best about him. Well, girl, he was a serial killer then. A little party never killed nobody. She's like, that's what I liked about him. <laughs> She's like, well, he can't think he can survive without feeding. And Damon says, on the contrary, he's determined to live his life at one extreme or the other. My brother's really stubborn. And Damon's like, you know what? I think I need help with this one. And Rebecca says, oh, what can I do? Rebecca's like, I love to fuck with y'all. Let's go. A woman gets out of her car in back alley. Damon approaches her really fast. And he says, this may seem forward, but you're so pretty. And she says, thank you. The way that line would work on me. I know I would have been dead (laughs) in this alleyway. (laughs) And then he starts compelling her. And he says, okay, don't scream. You're about to have a very bad night. He bites her neck, drinks a little bit. And then Stefan like pulls him off because he smells the blood. He runs back. Damon says, sorry, brother, it's dinner time. Have a bite. And the blood is like dripping down the lady's neck. So there's only so much Stefan can do at this point. Yeah. Stefan's like, what are you doing? Damon says, tough love, Stefan. You're not going to survive the cold turkey thing. You never do. Time to get that monkey off your back. Stefan continues to resist. And Damon says, okay, here's a deal. You're going to feed or I'm going to let Rebecca feed and she will kill her. And Rebecca says, yes, I will. Rebecca's like, I love my job. Damon tells Stefan, you know, and if that happens, the blood's on your hands, which logically, no, it really isn't. But Stefan's not a logical thinker when he's focused on blood. And especially, you know, Stefan, he'll find a way to feel guilty about anything. Yeah. (laughs) Damon says, or you just can have a little drink and save her life. You know, you were the one who said you didn't want innocent life slaughtered. So save it. I snatched, you eat, I erase. I'll even heal her when it's over. Deal. Seems like a good deal. Stefan says, you know what blood does to me. And Damon says, yeah, because you let it control you and you always have. I'm just here to help you learn how to fight it. And Damon right now, given Bill Forbes, Mm -hmm. he's like, he's like, oh, you can train yourself away from this. Yeah. Holier than thou. And we've seen Bill be right, though, is the thing. And we've also seen Bill be wrong. About what? Caroline's still drinking blood. Well, yeah, but blood is a different like she doesn't let the blood control her whole mindset the way he assumed. Yeah, but she never did. Bill Forbes didn't make that change. He he didn't make that change, but he assumed a blood relationship that she didn't have. Yes, but I'm saying that we've seen Bill Forbes's point of view be wrong as well as we've seen it be right. Just because like Damon has the best of intentions and just because tonight went well does not mean this is like long term success ahead. This is a forever thing for Stefan. But yeah. We've seen this path make sense before. But we've never seen anyone else as addicted to blood as Stefan before. Yeah. Things to think about. But what's, you know, that addicted to blood compared to Sire Bond? What's the comparison there? You know, not that we've seen the Sire Bond work yet. Yeah. Well, and the Sire Bond uh, don't really kill as many people as being addicted to blood. It's a little bit lower stakes. Mostly just pick up dry cleaning. But that's worse. That's as bad to Tyler as drinking blood. Yeah. Rebecca says, okay, well, this is rubbish because she's British. And she goes to bite the lady because she's tired of waiting. But Stefan does stop her. He holds the lady as she's like pretty much unconscious. And he looks with blood. He like struggles, but then his veins appear and he does bite and he feeds for a little bit of time. And Damon says, awesome. Okay, well, Rebecca, I've got it from here. You can go. And she says, but the night's just getting started. And he says, scram, no one likes a lurker. And she's like, okay, well, I did what I could tonight. Yeah, she says, you know, you're a real ass. He says, yeah, so I'm told. She leaves. Uh, Stefan is still drinking from this lady. And Damon says, okay, Stefan, that's enough. Going to drain her out, okay? 
let's go. Stefan doesn't want to, but Damon does get him off of the lady. And he like growls at Damon. I love that you keep calling her a lady. <laughs> the lady. <laughs> she is a lady. But Damon gets Stefan off and then Stefan like growls at him. And Damon's like, hey, you want to fight hunger? Or you want to fight me? Okay. Damon bites his own wrist and gives the lady some blood to heal. And of course, timing could not be better. Damon's healing this woman. Stefan has blood all over his face. And who walks around the corner but Matt and Elena? And Elena says, hey, what are you guys up to? Uh, and Stefan's like covered in blood. Like he very clearly, it looks at this moment like Stefan attacked this woman and Damon saved the day. And Stefan looks like terrified. And Elena is also looks terrified. And Damon like rolls his eyes because he's like, oh God, I'm going to deal with this. It's like she walked in well, like right after Stefan had gotten pantsed. Like that is the yeah. look on his face. And she says, what are you guys doing? And Damon says, relax. It's a little experiment. No need to make it more dramatic than it needs to be. And Elena says, have you met me? I'm going to make it more yeah. dramatic than it needs to be. Elena's like, no, actually, this seems like it's about me. Yeah. And Matt says, you know, let's just go. <laughs> he pulls Elena away. Smart move by Matt. Yeah. Stefan looks like someone punched him in the face. And Damon's like, okay, so this is going to take a little time. Good to know. <laughs> He's like, okay, but at least we see what we're working with now. Stefan naturally storms off. Uh, Damon says, wait, but Stefan does not because he's mad. Then we go over to the Gilbert house. Elena and Matt are sitting down having a little bit of coffee. And she says, okay, just say it. And he says, I just don't get your thing with them. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a fair, a fair question, I think. Yeah. And she says, okay, well, I know it doesn't make sense. But at the beginning, after my parents died, something about being with Stefan felt safe. And Matt says, safe? He's a vampire. We know. Boo. He's doing the bare minimum critical thought. Come today. up with another argument. Okay, yes, yeah. he's a vampire. Move on. We're beyond that. It's season three. Keep up. Uh, she says, I know, I know. Saying that out loud sounds crazy, but it's like I knew he'd never stop loving me. Like he would never die. And this is a, bit, this is a big breakthrough for Elena because she's realizing, yeah. like, oh my God, I didn't want someone to die. Elena's like, oh, fuck. That it was not like actually a realistic reason to be in love with someone was it she's like wow okay that is a lot to unpack and then in case we don't get the breakthrough matt says like your parents did yeah. <laughs> matt's talking it through for himself he can't keep all this information straight yeah. his brain is moving a mile a minute yeah. <laughs> and matt says okay and what about damon She's like, oh, he also, I thought he would never die. Uh, no, she doesn't say that. She <laughs> says, he just sort of snuck up on me, got under my skin, and I can't shake him. And Matt says, yeah, once you fall in love with someone, I don't know if you can ever shake him. And some romantic music plays. And in the audience, I'm like, no. Uh-uh. And this is this line, I was like, um, now, Matt, who are you talking about? Because where the fuck was Caroline, <laughs> bitch? Because weren't you in love with Caroline? She says, I'm sorry. Is this weird talking about them with you? And he says, no, not really. It is, but okay. And he says, oh, I got you something. He takes it out and it's the Gilbert journal that was at Meredith Fell's house. He says, it's your family's. You should have it. Meredith and that idiot deputy were too busy questioning you to give a damn about me. And I'm sorry, if Matt's calling you an idiot, you got some work to do. And <laughs> no, the what he thought was the deputy was just a coat rack with a coat on it. <laughs> That idiot Debbie's like, Matt, a deputy wasn't there. Like, Matt, it was just Meredith. <laughs> and then he says, you know, sometimes it pays to be the only normal one in a town of vampires, practically invisible. 
Well, you're just kind of invisible anyway because you're boring. Well, and he is like fishing for a compliment from Elena this whole scene and she is not biting. She's just sitting there like, thanks for the journal. She's like, cool. Like, don't you have somewhere to be other than here? (laughs) And then Alaric comes home. He says he's all right. Elena and Alaric hug. And he seems a little disconcerted. Yeah, he seems stressed. It's been a rough day for him. It's a hard day for Alaric. He got shot. Woke up in a jail cell being accused of murder by the girl that he was flirting with. Yeah, by the girl he thought he was like going to date after his last girlfriend was uh, murdered. Yeah. So he's had a time. Yeah. And it's not about to get any easier for him. Yeah. So then we go over to the Salvatore house. Stefan is looking in the fire. It's very the last scene of Call Me By Your Name. Oh, to see without my eyes The first time that you let me tell you, that joke is funny. Damon returns and he says, oh, well, they let Rick go. Uh, the sheriff is out of suspects again, but Rick is in the clear. Yay. Yay. And then Damon says, you know, I know it may not seem like it, but you did really well tonight. Before you know it, you'll be the king of moderation and Elena will understand. And Seven says, well, it doesn't really matter what Elena thinks. And Damon says, OK, none of that. <laughs> Boo, tomato, tomato. tomato. No more, no humanity, Stefan. There's a road called recovery and we are on it. OK. He's like, look, I fucking helped you tonight and I'm going to keep helping you, but you got to put in the little bit of work. You can't be whining all day long. And Stefan says, why do you care? You know, brother bonding, getting Elena to hate you. Is it because you feel guilty that you kissed her? Is that it? Because you can stop. Go back to hating me. Okay, it's a lot easier. And Damon says, do you believe maybe like I'm actually trying to help you? And Stefan says, well, I don't need your help. And Damon says, you kidding me? Remember what happened the last time you said that? 1912, the last time I convinced you to drink human blood. And back again we go to 1912. Stefan and Damon are watching the boxing match. It's similar to Damon's conversation with Sage earlier, except now Damon is the Sage. Damon says, pick a lady. And Stefan says, they're people, Damon. And Damon says, yeah, they sure are. People with blood pumping through their veins, waiting to be sucked dry. You've just forgotten how good it feels. Damon says, and you know, so had I, but Sage reminded me it's all worth it. Stefan watches the guy in the boxing ring get his ass beat and have blood on his face. And Damon says, not him, not him. (laughs) He's like, no, it's supposed to be sexy, Stefan. (laughs) Stefan's like, but there's blood right there. I could just kill him in front of this whole room. Yeah. And Damon's like, okay, Stefan, you are missing the point already. (laughs) Damon says, no, her. And it's a lady clutching her pearls, looking very scandalous. And Stefan says, oh, I don't do that anymore. And it's the it's one of the it's what, either Samantha Gilbert or Mariana Lockwood. I don't remember which. No, it must be Mariana Lockwood because he chops her head off. Because I think Damon looked at Samantha. Yes, Mariana Lockwood. They all look the same to me, women in 1912. I couldn't keep track of which one was which. So yeah. I'm glad you knew. Stefan says, you know, I don't do that anymore. Stefan says, but you can. We can. Let's let the past be the past. Have a drink with me, brother. Then we cut to the back alley. Stefan is feeding on the lady. He looks up briefly and Damon says, see, I knew you had it in you. And Damon's like, we are having so much fun, aren't we? Like, this is so fun. He's like, now give me a little sip. (laughs) And then Stefan goes back to feeding and it's a little bit more violent. And Damon's like, okay, (laughs) don't be greedy. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) drain it in. He's like, okay, you're going a little far with it. And then he says, okay, Stefan, and then Stefan bites her entire head off. Like, yeah. Which we've talked about in the beginning of season three. We got 
the news from Damon, like this was kind of Stefan's MO as a ripper is that he would feed so hard that he would bite their heads off and then he would feel remorse and put the heads back on the body. Uh, it's very dark. It's very dark. Yeah. High schoolers were watching this show <laughs> for the kisses. And they said sexy. Yeah. <laughs> Stefan immediately feels remorse. He says sorry to Damon and to the lady and tries to put her head back on. And now Stefan, she can't hear you, buddy. It is disturbing to say the least. Damon is shook because he was like, this is not what I meant. Damon's like, I gotta go find Sage. She did a much better job teaching me this yeah. than Damon's I just Damon's like, did. maybe I didn't explain it right. <laughs> yeah. He's like, okay, um, this took a turn I did not anticipate at all. He's like, usually it's supposed to be a little sexier. <laughs> then it's just a note for next time. Uh, Damon says, hey, Stefan. And Stefan says, what did you do to me? And Damon says, you just need to learn when to stop. You know, I can help you. And Stefan says, I don't need your help. And he runs away. And then in present day, Damon narrates and Damon says, yeah, the Founders Council killer had nothing on you. By decade's end, they were calling you the Ripper of Monterey, which we know is what led to him meeting with Klaus in the 20s. So he goes on to have like a decade long um, bender. Um, and in the present day, Damon says, you know, I let you walk away. I watched you go over the edge and I didn't do anything to stop you. And Stefan says, well, you couldn't have. And Damon says, sure, I could have. I just didn't want to but I do want to now. And so whenever you go too far, I will be there to pull you back every second of every day till you don't need me anymore. He's like, no, I already let you get away with this once and you clearly lost your fucking mind. Mm -hmm. So we're not doing that again. Yeah. Stefan says, why? And Damon says, because right now you're all I got. Brotherhood. Yeah, Damon's trying to help Stefan get back to himself. And I think he knows that this is also helping Elena in the long run. And I think it is a little bit of like, you know, I don't want to just get Elena by default. Yeah. Like I want us to all be our best. And if she still picks me, that would be lovely. Yeah. Cause if she picks me just because my brother's a serial killer, that's not really a ringing endorsement. Yeah. Like that's kind of like the bare minimum. Yeah. <laughs> then we go over to the Gilbert house. Alaric uh, and Elena are hanging out and Alaric's like, oh, I was going to make coffee. And Elena says, oh, I'm good. I was just about to head to bed. And Alaric says, hey, listen, Elena. The sheriff told me about everything you did today. And while I appreciate it, I don't want you getting in trouble because of me. Okay. And Elena says, okay, well, if not for you, then for who? And Rick says, I'm the one who's supposed to look after you, even if I suck at it. It's like, well, then stop sucking at it. You're an adult. <laughs> Elena says, you know, how about we just agree to take care of each other? And he says, deal. And he says, hey, what are you reading? And she says, oh, this old family journal of mine. And he says, oh, any juicy family secrets? And she says, you know, hard to tell. At first, I thought it was Jonathan Gilbert's journal, but it ended up being his granddaughter's. And we know that's Samantha Gilbert from earlier in the episode. She says, and apparently she went just as crazy as he did. So I've got great genes. Good thing you're adopted. Yeah, she's like, so looking good. <laughs> so super fun she's, read. She's still got the Gilbert genes, though. Yeah, you're right. He says, well, at least you have something to look forward to. Ha ha ha. They say goodnight. Lark's like, don't worry, you don't have to be a Gilbert to go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> then we go back over to the Salvatore house. Damon is playing piano. Sexy. Music. Hurt eyes. Uh, meanwhile, Stefan says, hey, I dug into the old family archives from the early 1900s. And Damon says, oh, so now you want to be helpful. Stefan says, you want me to go back to being mad at you? Stefan's like, get over it. We I had a little meltdown. We're back. Yeah. Sorry, I was hungry. <laughs> Damon asks what he found. And he says, you know, nothing from 1912. They never did arrest anyone for the founder's murder. But they did get a confession 10 years later. Jonathan Gilbert's granddaughter, Samantha. 
They assumed she was crazy, locked her up in an insane asylum, and the trail ends there. She was a founder, so they kind of swept it under the rug. Yeah, they said, oh, that girl's hysteric. Yeah. We're good. And Damon says, huh, Samantha Gilbert? That is super weird. And Stefan says, why? And Damon says, well, because I'm pretty sure I had already killed her. Yeah, he's like, I thought she was dead. So that complicates matters. That doesn't make sense. So we go back over to the Gilbert house. There's a knock at the door and Rick answers and it's Meredith. Incredible of her to come to his house. Very brave. Very brave. And I was like, bitch, (laughs) go away. She says, okay, I know what this looks like. And he says, well, I sure don't. He says, you shoot me, you throw me in jail, then you have me freed. And she says, I did it all for you. I forged a coroner's note to clear your name. And Rick says, okay, so everyone was right. You are totally psycho. <laughs> My picker is indeed as bad as I worried it was. Yes. He, he tries to close the door on her, but she stops him. And she says, now that you're cleared, they'll look somewhere else and won't look your way again. I know you have no reason, but I need you to trust me anyway. And if you let me in, I can explain. Alex, like, why would they have to look my way again? I didn't do it. Yeah. He's like, (laughs) they never should have looked my way in the first place. (laughs) Uh, But he does seem to consider letting her in at this point. She clearly knows something. Yeah. Upstairs, Elena is reading the journal and it says, I don't feel like myself. I'm losing time. It's as though I'm going mad. Then back at the Salvatore house, Stefan says, so you think Samantha Gilbert is still alive, running around Mystic Falls, killing founders? And Damon says, well, that's not possible. If she became a vampire, we would know about it, right? And Stefan says, well, then maybe she had a ring that brought her back to life. I mean, she was a Gilbert. Those rings are passed through generations. And Damon says, yeah, but even if she had a ring, she wouldn't be alive today. It doesn't protect her from from old age. And Stefan says, well, Jonathan Gilbert only made two of those rings. Jeremy has one of them and the other is, Damon's like, Alaric's. Now, but wouldn't it be funny if it was Jeremy killing people? That would be funny. He never went to Denver. (laughs) Yeah, he just, he got off the plane. He said, I have a job to do. (laughs) (laughs) Then we go back over to the Gilbert house. Rick is looking at the files Meredith brought over. And Meredith says, like the sheriff says, the victims were killed with your weapons. We do a flashback to discovering Brian's body and Bill's body. He says, yeah, but why does everyone keep forgetting that I was attacked? Yeah, he's like, remember when I got stabbed? And Meredith says, yeah, with your own knife, a wound that could have been self-inflicted. And you didn't die. Yeah. And he says, it's impossible. I would know if I were killing people. And she says, would you? (laughs) Have you had any blackouts, instances of lost time? And he says, you're insane because the answer is yes. (laughs) And at this point, I thought they were going like the DID route that like, he had a, a like a secondary identity that was literally Samantha Gilbert, like possessing him or something. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that's what we were on the path of, which I don't think anymore. But at this point, I was like, that's where you were going. Saying he has another person that like Samantha Gilbert has been taking his personality. But Meredith says, no, but I think you might be. You wear a ring that lets you cheat death. How many times can you die before it changes you? A question that is a fair question to ask. Because to be fair, he's died and come back a lot. It's a balance of nature question. Nature doesn't want a human to die and come back this many times. So she's bringing up an interesting point that works on a scientific level as well as a supernatural level. Mm -hmm. He sits and like lets this all sink in. And she says, I think you're sick and I want to help you. This has happened before almost 100 years ago. And right now it kind of seems like she's doing the classic Elliot Rollins on Pretty Little Liars. Yeah, like (laughs) 
you're crazy. Just sign this waiver that lets me take control of your medical freedom and then I can fix it. So it's a little suspicious, but it is definitely like there are some points here, too. Yeah. Elena comes downstairs and she says, Rick, I think she's right. So this kind of legitimizes things in a way that we haven't legitimized Meredith before. But to be fair, it does legitimize Meredith with something that Meredith kept hidden from them. Yes, let's get there. So we end the episode in 1912. We go back. And we see Samantha Gilbert stabbing Zachariah Salvatore, who we saw at the top of the episode, and we see her ring is on. And very straight face, like, Mm -hmm. just doing it. So that's where the episode ends. So do you believe, Meredith, that Alaric is going insane? Or what are your new theories, given this information? I think going insane is relative because I my thought with the ring and it's a balance of nature thing, right? You know, to bring people back to life, there, there's a spell there. But we have to imagine there's some, you know, basis to the spell. Like it's not mm-hmm. just some random spell that's free. So my thought is that the ring has like a certain number of regenerations essentially in it. Sure. And you kind of have to load them up. And when the ring is like, we're out of, or we're running low on lives, like, it's like a remote control giving you a battery warning, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think there's some level of spirit in the spell or in the ring that is like, I'm running low and I need to work as a spell. So I'm going to go get another life, another life source. Mm. Logistical question. Do you think the ring like resets if it gets given to a new person? Or do you think the ring has like a battery life for its entire existence? So do you think when Alert got it, he already he already had some lives used up? Yeah, I think it's like he got to a parking meter that already had like an hour and a half on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, deal. But that time runs out. Mm-hmm. So I think there's either some level of spirit or something in the ring or just doing itself, you know, as a spell being like, we need to go get some more life sources. Now, I think it's odd that there is like a pattern to founding families mm-hmm. killing. Because if you think the ring was just like, we need some more life sources, you just take it's like, who are we going to kill? And why would he not have like killed Elena, you know, something like that. So I think there's probably a Gilbert connection to it. It could be that like Samantha Gilbert or Jonathan Gilbert's spirit is in the ring. Because I still maintain that it makes sense that a founding family uh, who believes the council is tainted would want some of these people dead. So it makes sense if, you know, say Jonathan Gilbert's, you know, watching from, I guess he couldn't really watch from the other side because he's not supernatural, but is somehow like, okay, go kill like these people covering it up. Mm hmm essentially. So here's my question. No matter how the actual spirit and kind of in the ether things work, who's doing the physical killings, do you think? I think at this point, the best suspect with this information is a lurk. Now, I don't think that necessarily undoes other things, because I think this is a question. But I think there's still potential that someone else is doing the killings. And this is just something they're also finding about the ring. This is just like a convenient scapegoat. Do you think it's possible that Meredith knows that this ring is running out. And because of that, she's like, I can kill whoever I want. (laughs) I think there's possibilities of that, but I think there's also potential that someone else knows about this ring. I mean, Meredith has this journal. We have to wonder where she got it. You could make the guess that she got it from a fell family member. There might be someone who knows that this ring has the potential to do this and is essentially leading a lurk to the right people. Like they're like, okay, I know a lurk's like, in a situation where he's going to be probably killing, like what situation can I put him in that he's killing someone? And that could lead to 
you know, Alex potentially self-inflicted wounds that they were like time to go kill Elena. And he was like some protective instinct took over or Mm. something like that. You know, that there is someone who's taking advantage of this situation that the ring is in Mm -hmm. and kind of guiding Alok with that advantage. Here's my other question. Most of what we're getting, which is leading us to these answers, is knowledge about the ring wearing off. Where we're getting that information is primarily, I mean, we're getting information about Samantha Gilbert being institutionalized from the Salvadors, mm-hmm. but where we're getting information that ties it to the ring is this Samantha Gilbert journal that they found in Meredith's apartment. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is actually a journal from Samantha Gilbert, or do you think this has the possibility of being a forgery? Do you think Meredith wrote a whole journal to cover up her tracks? I think it's definitely possible. I think it's odd that she would write a whole journal, but because, but at the same time, she's psycho. And at the same time, we haven't seen any other Gilbert journals besides Jonathan. So it's suspicious that suddenly there's another Gilbert that's been writing a journal that we just didn't know about. And there is also this level of like, yes, the journal was hidden in her apartment, but a fake wall in the closet is a pretty easy guess of hiding spot. So it's not crazy, especially because it's the same hiding spot in the Gilbert Lake house. Exactly. So it's not crazy that Meredith was like, oh, here's some evidence planted. Here's the hiding spot that they'll probably check first. There could very easily be other hiding spots in this apartment with other information. I think that's a good point. And also Meredith, you know, we can say whatever we want about Meredith, untrustworthy, whatever. Meredith's not a dumb fuck. Yeah. She probably knew at some point someone was going to break into her apartment. And if she knew that, or even if there's a possibility of that, if you really have something that you don't want anyone seeing, you, you can't afford a safe, you're a doctor. Right. Like that's suspicious. Or a, a safety deposit box, a security and deposit box. What's safety, safety deposit, deposit box is the word. <laughs> yeah. And the, it's the same thing of her leaving this information out when it lurks there. That's just, it's such dumb behavior that it's like she wanted them to find it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you get so excited that you found it. You're like, we won. And you don't think critically about like, wait, we're getting all the information from this one person. So I think potentially Meredith could be this person guiding a lurk in this way and then taking it and being like, well, look, a lurk's crazy. It's the ring. Like no one's doing it, but the people you want dead are still dead. Mm -hmm. So I think there is potential that there is this nefarious outside plot taking advantage of this situation. Interesting. In addition to like, you know, a possibility of planted evidence. Because we know Meredith had no problem lying to the sheriff about, you know, how she shot a lurk. And she had no problem lying to the sheriff about the time of death. And she had no problem shooting a lurk. So she's still not trustworthy. Like, I think we should take everything from her with a grain of salt, but find some other sources because this is like, They've been concerned about the ring. The ring has been given evidence that it isn't like acting as well as it used to. Mm -hmm. But we can't only take her word for it. Here's my other question. You mentioned that you had like a dissociative identity disorder theory, but you don't anymore. Walk me through that thought process. So my thought process was that somehow like the spirit of Samantha Gilbert was essentially taking root in the ring like that her spirit is in the ring and then like essentially taking control of a lurk at a certain point like when she wanted to kill someone like maybe she's just thirsty to kill someone again sure. i don't know or that you know a lurk could have did also i mean that's not necessarily it doesn't have to be a supernatural thing i don't think that's the situation it's, it's, let's assume I, it's supernatural <laughs> i would assume that like there's some possession part there 
And if anyone is doing that, you would think it would be a Gilbert, either Samantha or someone like Jonathan, again, who is like unhappy that his family has now really become looped in with the vampires. And the one person who wasn't looped in the vampires, John, died to protect his, you know, daughter looped into the vampires. So I think Jonathan Gilbert has reasons to be pissed. He made these rings for someone who's not in their family, who's pushing them away from the Gilbert path. Sure. Here's my question also. Stefan and Damon briefly bring up the theory that Samantha Gilbert turned into a vampire and is the one committing these murders. Uh, They kind of dismiss it. Do you think they're right to dismiss it? Do you think that's a possibility? I think it's a possibility. I do think they would have known about Samantha Gilbert, but they also didn't know about the originals. So it's hard to say <laughs> so for sure. to say where they're getting all their information. But I think it also depends on the Gilbert bloodline. Well, it's safe to assume that if Samantha Gilbert was locked up in an institution at a certain point, that she wasn't having any kids after that. So if she had any kids, she had them before that. So there could have been kids from her or there could have been other family members but we know that bloodline had to continue Mm -hmm. so timeline of if she got turned right then is a little iffy in general but i do think like i don't think it's wise to immediately dismiss that i think would you rather believe a lurk is killing people would you rather believe that you accidentally turned someone into a vampire and didn't hear about it like i just think it's something to look into like you would think that john gilbert would have known that but i also feel like he would be ashamed of that and would not tell people Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I'm just explaining away if they had a plot hole in that way. But might, might I offer a theory that you may or may not hop on to? What if Meredith Fell is actually Samantha Gilbert? I was thinking that <laughs> at a point in the episode. I was thinking that. To be fair, we do have a different actress playing Samantha Gilbert. So yeah, but that was a thought I had when like they were like, well, is she a vampire? I was like, is it Meredith? And, you know, she could have gotten reconstructive surgery, whatever. <laughs> I'll make any excuse. Uh, So I did think about that. We don't have enough evidence that Meredith is supernatural either way. But again, she knows who all the vampires are. And that's usually something vampires know. But the one issue I have with that is if I'm a Gilbert, noted like top founding family, I'm not masquerading as a fell. I'm not jumping down like that. Maybe there was a time the fells were better and she switched and she's like, fuck. Yeah. How do I keep hopping away? So I do think that reasoning does throw a little bit of a wrench, but I don't think that's impossible either. Because if you're a vampire and you've been alive for that long and you're in a different family, you want to hide, you'd keep that to yourself. Although you would think there would be more suspicion from her, but like we know she's been invited into a lurk to the Gilbert house, like all that. So I think that's a question and I did have that thought. Sure. I think that's less likely. Sure. That's all the questions I have. That brings us to the end of the episode. As always, if you're enjoying The Vampire Diaries and Doppelgangers, please feel free to tell your friends um, and give us five stars rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. But that's it for this week. So until next week, goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother.